0: Good to see you all, um, you can take this chop, this end we'll just chop it off, but one or two other things just important in terms of things we're going to be doing. Hello the Seebs, nice to see you guys, you kind of meandered in from uh, Santa Barbara. We had a, an, an elders alumni dinner last night and it was hilarious and wonderful and laughter and Thomas kept us on our toes, it was actually a wonderful, wonderful time. So. Um, we're trying to do that from time to time. Just remember some of the really wonderful things that God has done in the midst of this group of people. And it was, it was really good. Um, Colleen, hello Colleen. Nice to see you as well. It's Don's mom visits us from time to time. So, nice to have you as well. Next Sunday, um, we're going we're gonna to focus a bit on Genesis Collective that we're a part of. I want us to explain why we were a part of it, what we're doing, what are the, It's everything Genesis, so there'll be other things as well, but I'm going to give a, a good spiel into that, because we are part of it, um, and uh, what it entails, and what it looks like, and it's... Is that alright? I want give... We'll talk about that. The week after that, which was, is Super Bowl Sunday, we are not doing a Super Bowl party. We're actually going to do a regular gathering, but it's going to be all things kids, in terms of uh, Heidi and Mina are going to get up and they're going to tell us of everything kids some changes some reminders a whole lot of things kids of course we don't have kids ministry set up for that Sunday because originally we were going to do a Super Bowl party we're going to have be we're going to have the two ladies and maybe a third take care of the kids for that short time and everyone will be in here because we we all want to come to an understanding of how our kids are involved in our church you know it's not our church and the kids it's our church and so we want to talk through that sort of stuff is that all right so those are the next two weeks there'll be some other things as well but at least those two is it okay great all right i love the last song we sang i think that's an old keith green song as far as i know it comes out of the hippie movement um it's a wonderful song it actually speaks about salvation in the most beautiful way of what God has done in Jesus and then the Spirit has been left behind or been sent that we can finish the work. And it's a a glorious song. I I think it's from Songs of the Flock, the album as well. I I think I still have it. I mean, it's a good one. So we're in a a little series and looking at the gospel, um, reminding ourselves of what the gospel is. We've been using the illustration of a diamond grader. When uh, a a diamond grader is going to grade a whole lot of diamonds, he first picks up a perfect one puts on his monocle, and he studies that diamond in great detail till he knows every facet about it. And then he begins to grade. So he's grading against the perfect. But after he's graded a few, he goes back to the perfect and and studies it again, then goes back to grading. Because what happens if you keep grading without going back to the perfect, eventually what's imperfect looks perfect, and you start downgrading. So they always want to grade accurately. They start with the perfect and keep going back to it. And so I want for us as a community, with more that God can do with us is that we go back to what is the basics, which is the gospel. The gospel is what it's all about. It's not, I got saved, that's the gospel, and now there's other things, you know, advanced Christianity. The gospel is everything. It's the whole course. It's the degree program up to doctorate and beyond. It's the gospel. The good news of what Jesus has done and how it affects us and, and we play that, that out. Um, and it's the gospel is the result of the love of God. And we're going to look at what that looks like into the future as we in the next few weeks of studying the love of God in us and how we are supposed to activate that toward others. For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The gospel is rooted in the generous giving of God the Father to humanity. The reason He calls us to a generous lifestyle is because He first was generous with the very best that He had. And Romans 5 tells us that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. I mean, that's the essence of the gospel. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And I covered that over the last week. You can go and listen to the talk. I don't know if it's up yet, Dan, it but, but go and listen to it when it is. <laughs> the thing we want to keep reminding ourselves is that the gospel is news. It's something that is announced. It's not something we do. It's something we respond to. The gospel is what Jesus has done. And we respond to that, and we respond primarily through repentance, which is a, having a mind change about life and about a whole lot of things. It's about exercising faith, believing that what Jesus has done is the right thing, and we're going to trust that. And it's about our obedient response to what He asks us to do thereafter. That, in essence, is the gospel. And it's an announcement. It's news that we respond to. Um, as we said I think the first week it's not an Instagram filter that we take and we put it over our lives and today we would like our lives to look more colorful and we put on the colorful part of the gospel. Tomorrow we'd like our our lives to look a little more structured and dynamic so we the gospel undergirds everything that we do. It should affect actually every area of our life, not just quote this religious sliver sliver. It affects marriage, it affects parenting, It affects the way you work. It affects play. It affects affects everything that we do, the gospel. For what Jesus has done, that flows out into everything that we do. And we'll look at a whole bunch of those in the weeks that lie ahead. And it's important, and I've said this before, but I'm going to keep saying it, that we don't disconnect what we do from what Christ has done. Whenever we get that disconnect, we end up with legalism, which means I have to do in some way to get God to like me, love me, be pleased with me, bless me. We got to settle that in the gospel, through the process of justification, the new birth, which we spoke about last week. And I know um, Brian is going to be unpacking some more of that as when he comes up next month. That is our identity and God's favor upon us or is settled Now we do action. We do good works into our world as a demonstration of what God has done. So we don't disconnect from what we do from what Christ has done. Otherwise it goes weird. And we don't want it to be weird. We want it to be healthy and solid. And we said there's this threefold dimension to salvation. In the old theological words of justification, sanctification, glorification. They're nice theological words. It's I am. I was saved, I am being saved, I will be saved. It's past, it's present, it's future. Last week we looked at the past. What what does it mean to experience new birth? That happens once. Like when you're born as a human being, it happens how often? Once. Just once. Then there's a whole life ahead of you. Same with the gospel, same with it. You're born one and then there's a whole life ahead of you. And So we want to look at the whole life ahead of you part Today, really briefly, and Brian will unpack more of that as we go along. But let's start with the story. Think of a baby. Uh, Whitney is going to have a baby one of these days. That baby's been growing inside her womb nine months. That baby's going to come out. The mom, Well, that baby already, but then that baby is born in the natural. They'll hold that baby. That baby will be a perfect member of the human race you believe that perfect member of the human race human fully human and then what they will do is that they will give that little baby a jacket and a little suitcase with a lunch in and a little thing say this is how you should live put put him Koa, on the side of the street and say now have a nice life. What's going to happen. What's going to happen baby's not going to make it. The reality in our world is that what people do sometimes. They put their babies on the side of the road. They put them in trash cans. They put them in all sorts of things. Well, spiritual birth is exactly the same. When you are born again, when you experience the new birth from above, you are born. And here you are. The moment you are born again and you receive this new birth, you are perfectly, fully a member of... Of the spiritual household of God called the church. Do you believe that? Yes. All right. And then what we do is we give you a little jacket, a little case with a Bible, then, and we say, get on with life, put you on the side of the road and say, have a nice life. What happens? You die. That's why the world is full of people who received new birth and just went nowhere, they died. Because if you go back to the natural, when little Koha is born, he'll be a perfect member of the human race. But God in his wisdom, when he created this whole thing, he said, but you need to not be just part of the human race. You need to be part of a family. And I'm going to give you a mom and a dad. I'm going to put you in the family. And they are going to raise you. And for the first few months, they the ones that will wipe your butt and they'll feed you. And they'll do all those things because you can do nothing for yourself. But you will grow. And then they will teach you how to feed for yourself. They will teach you. Get potty trained and they will teach you how to read and how to write. And you will grow and you should mature and become a fully fledged participating member of the human race. And at a certain point in time, you will leave your father's home and you will get married, do whatever, and you'll have a life and you'll start all over again. That's how it's supposed to be. Well, spiritually the same. When we receive the new birth, you are born. And God in his wisdom doesn't just say, oh, you're a member of the church. He says no 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 i need to put you in a family and the family is a community a local church the the new testament everywhere is about the church in an area people come into a community and for those first while they're helping you and teaching you and t- showing you how to feed yourself etc go and then you grow and then soon, oh, I can feed myself from the scriptures. Ooh, I'll ask, oh, I know what that means. And slowly we grow, we grow, we grow, we grow. And we become mature, fully participating members in the community. The sadness is, is that the church around the world actually doesn't operate like that. We get people saved and we kind of let them die. Because we don't get them into this process Of maturing, of spiritual transformation, of becoming the people that God wants us to become, so we become fully participating members of the body of Christ that make a difference in the world. Does that make sense? First in the natural, then in the spiritual. Now, we read that text from Colossians, and it's a beautiful picture of what life looks like after new birth. Because when you read the letters of Paul, for example... The first parts are always good theology. This is what's happened. This is what Jesus has done. This is what it means to you. Now, go live appropriately. Often he uses the words... Live a life worthy of the calling that God has given you. Well, that takes some effort. That takes some work. And we want to look at that a little bit today. Ephesians chapter 2, verses nine, starting at verse 19 says... Consequently, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We'll talk about Genesis next week with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit, there's a building process happening. We are part of that building process, so we see something great be established that God fills fully for the sake of reaching the whole world. Um, Two Corinthians chapter three verse eighteen says this: "And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory," Are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So, new birth leads to us learning to behold the Lord, learning to look at the Lord, learning to study so that we grow, we become like him. Through the Spirit, we get changed and become mature. There right. are. So, last week was justification. This is what it means to receive new birth, to be saved, to be justified, to be declared righteous, to stand fully before God, clean, perfect, whole, identity secure. But now we're looking at this process of growing up, becoming mature, being transformed into the image of Jesus. So, we're going to look, as we did last week, we looked at a bunch of words, like justification, and we looked at words like blood, and... Sacrifice and substitution, all those things. We're going to look at four words today. The first one is Spirit, the Spirit. Um, Not because I think you don't understand, but the Spirit is the third person of the triune God. That part of God that is on the earth with us today is the Holy Spirit. Where is Jesus technically? Seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. But He sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. In John chapter 14, He says, He starts talking about Him going and leaving the disciples. He says, but I will not leave you as orphans. I'm going to send another one just like me. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of peace. The counselor, the mighty, he will come and he will be with you. And the, you know, the things that I did, you're going to do and even greater. That's the expectation of the people of God who receive the spirit of God. Now, I don't know about you. I remember reading these texts when I first became a believer. And I asked this question of myself. If the life that I can have with the Holy Spirit here on earth is not at least the same as the disciples had with Jesus when they walked, there's something wrong with that and Jesus is a liar. But I know that Jesus is not a liar. Therefore, I believe that the life that I have in the Spirit is at least the same, but if not greater, than the life the disciples had when they walked face to face with Jesus 2,000 years ago. you can say, oh, now we, that's, that's difficult. Yeah, it is, but we have to be trained. We have to have our minds renewed to see the life of the Spirit, the Spirit with us. When Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will be with you, just like me, the word he uses is alos parakletos, one just like me. para walk alongside Kletos to help. The Holy Spirit is one who, like me, who will come down, who will walk alongside you and help you to live the life that I ask you to live. And we have to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. He leads. He guides us. He comforts us. He strengthens us. He speaks to us. He corrects us. He convicts us. It's a, a beautiful thing. So we have to develop this relationship with the Holy Spirit like the disciples developed a relationship with Jesus like your child develops a relationship with you. If you take your child and put them in a mall when they're a little kid and you speak, they don't understand your voice from among all the voices. But after a time, they do. And you know, you will know your baby's cry too. Because you get attuned. It's the same in the spirit. As we grow, as we fellowship, the end of 2 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 16, I think it says talks about the love of God, the the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. As we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, as we grow in that relationship, we get to know His voice among all the voices. And He knows ours perfectly. That's one. The Holy Spirit. Again, books are written on that subject. I've done it in three sentences. The next word is this great theological work, sanctification. Now... In so many ways it's an irrelevant word because it's so technical, it's so theological, no one uses it anymore. But it actually has a very relevant reality and outworking in our lives. Have you ever been to the doctor and they use words that you do not understand? You don't throw the word out, you just ask for whatever it's needed to get over with that word. Just because it's technical... Just because it's an old word doesn't mean that it's not relevant to the way that we live. And the word sanctification, all it means in the Greek is to be made holy. You know, so that my doctors sometimes used weird things to describe osteoarthritis, but specifically in this. And I have no idea what they're talking about. I just, okay, I believe you. So if you don't want to use this word sanctification, but it's a good word, just say it's the process of becoming holy. It's the process of becoming like Jesus. Isn't that the goal? You want to become like Jesus. In Luke chapter 6, in verse 40, it says, Jesus saying, A student cannot be greater than his teacher, but he can become like his teacher. Just like his teacher. That's what we want to do. We want to become like Jesus. You know, what does holy mean? Sorry? Set apart. apart Special people. With a special anointing. That live a clear and sinless life. That's what the goal is. That we become these these people. Um, But here's the deal. Justification, new birth, had nothing to do with us. Had everything to do with jesus we just received when it comes to this process of sanctification or becoming holy or spiritual maturity or spiritual transformation whatever word you want to use that speaks of that thing we actually participate with the holy spirit in the process we don't just sit and wait think natural your child sitting there and at 18 they're still in their high chair and you're feeding them Now, excluding special scenarios, but that would be weird. We want our kids to grow up. We want them how to feed themselves. We want them to know how to do things, how to be kind, how to be loving, how to change their underwear, how to do their washing. Whatever you you teaching them to grow up spiritually. The same. We want to grow up into the image of Jesus. We want to become mature. We want to know how to hear Jesus for ourselves. We want to know how to study His word and see what the things He's saying to us and how we should live. Da da da, da, da. It's a process that we participate with the Holy Spirit. We're not just, not just us. Because if it's just us, then it's hard work. If it's just the Holy Spirit, that's laziness and it's not going to happen. It's when we participate with Him. So the Bible uses words like we keep in step with the Spirit. These are the children of God that are led by the Spirit of God. We work with the Holy Spirit to become the kind of people that God wants us to become. So a practical thing of sanctification. You, you receive new birth and you've been cheating on your taxes. And this year you decide, actually, as a follower of Jesus, I can't do that. I'm not cheating on my taxes. That's a practical outworking of sanctification. You receive new birth and you're dating and you've been sleeping with your partner. And you decide, no, as a believer, that does not go with what Jesus wants. I'm going to stop that sanctification working in your life in a very practical way. It's not all just weird theory up there. It comes down to the very practice as you grow. And God doesn't expect you to do it all today. It's over a lifetime. It's a process. He starts revealing things to you to change you. And he starts talking and said, you know, The way you speak, you should change that. Well, you know, you do that. You should rethink that through. He he, he leads you and guides you to change. And you become more and more like Jesus wants you to be. Not like how I want you to be. Not like how the church says you should conform. What does Jesus say to you? That's outworked in the church because that's the family that he's put you in. And you work with the Holy Spirit and you work with others. how do you know that you are growing and maturing unless you rub off on others? You've heard me say this. How do you know you've become more patient? By being in a place where you get impatient. That's how you're going to know. You can say as much as you like, look how patient I am. Until you get in the moment and... It's a growth period of God changing you. It's the process... That when, you, when you, were, you received new birth and you were justified and it was like sin was broken, the power of sin was broken. But this is the process where you deal with those, the activity of sin in your life and the thought process of sin. And you overcome them with the work of the Spirit and learn to grow and say no and put, it, put away sexual immorality and impurity. We put it away. Who puts it away? We put it away. Not the Holy Spirit. We put it away with his power and his help, but we put it away. We learn to say no. The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's us with the Holy Spirit. And then we need one another to come and say, how's it going? Do you need a swift kick in the pants to help you? Or do you need a hug? Whatever, we need one another's iron sharpens iron. We become the people that God wants us to be. We're not playing church, we are representing the king of the universe to the world. And mostly, what the world sees is a bunch of little kids running around nah! rather than mature believers growing into a way of loving the world and loving their enemies and caring for people. And doing well. Rather love me, love me, love me. No. Go love someone else. All on the same page? When does sanctification end? Anyone here fully sanctified yet? Got it? No. It ends when Jesus wraps it all up. And then you in a twinkling of an eye you will be like him. And you can say well why sanctify then if that's going to happen in 40 years when he comes back or whatever and I'll be like him in a twinkling and I'll just chill out. No. But it's 40 years where you have not lived the life he wanted you to for the sake of the world and for the sake of being represented on the earth for those who don't know him etc etc etc. But we are really content to get people saved and just stop there. I'm going to say this and I hope this kind of makes sense. I'll unpack it sometime in the future. The church, like this, is not primarily for those who do not follow Jesus. This is primarily for those who do follow Jesus to be instructed and helped and coached to become the people of God. Go, go look at the New Testament. Go look at the gatherings. They, were pri- they weren't for the unbelievers. They were for the believers as soon as we make meetings primarily for the unbelievers then what we do is we dumb everything down because we want to we keep going back with the new birth you know, please believe me, that's important but we don't grow it's like saying in our family all we do is have babies but we never mature the ones we've got Now, if we do the job that Jesus wants us to do, then we will get new babies. Why? Because your life will begin to count out there and will be a reflection of Jesus and you will make a difference. Make sense? That doesn't mean don't bring in people who don't know Jesus. It doesn't mean that at all. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul writing says, when they come in and everyone's prophesying, they'll fall on their faces. And surely God is in this place. So they were unbelievers, but that's not the focus. So when we get to attractional church and all, it's all about making people feel like, no, we want to grow so that we make a difference in the world. I want each one of us to be Jesus to the world. Wherever you are on the journey, you know, if you are just become a believer, God doesn't have the same expectation of you as he has someone who's been walking with him for 40 years. You don't have the same expectation of a one year old as you have an 18 year old. We're growing, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We are being transformed. Paul writes, Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Transformation, metanoia. Be transformed, shaped, maturing by the renewing of your mind. As you receive more of the word of God and you learn things and you face difficulties and you deal with them properly, so your mind changes. Um, uh, Repentance, metanoia. uh, Metamorphosis is the other one, sorry. Metanoia means change your mind. You change by the renewing of your mind. As you are faced with more and more of God's reality and his kingdom and your mind changes, you have spiritual transformation that begins to take place in you. And you become more whole. And that's what we want. Here's the bummer though. It really takes a lot of work. It takes some effort. It takes some discipline. It takes some training. And Paul writes, I went into training. I run as if I want to win the prize. I, mean, I beat myself up. Why? Because I want to do it well. He's not beating himself up because he's flagellating, because he's trying to please God. He says, no, he's beating himself up so that he can stay true to the calling that God has put upon him. It takes some effort. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, no, you've got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are saved, but now you've got to work it out into its fullness. Take some time. Take some effort. It doesn't just happen. Just like raising kids. It doesn't just happen. And you can have, you know, kids will grow physically. If you don't do train them, they'll still grow if you feed them, but they'll just be not really helpful to society. Kind of, I won't go there. Stay away from that one. Stay away from that one, Terry. The thing that's opposite of a bummer, which is good, is that it's over a lifetime. Doesn't expect it to happen today. It's over a lifetime. Do you want to be the kind of people that God says, I can use you out there? You are making a difference out there. When you speak, people listen because you always tell the truth. Your word is your bond. I'll go quickly. Third word is fruit. That's a sign that sanctification is taking place, that fruit begins to emerge. There's no fruit ever. There's something not right. We've got this Avo tree in our backyard. It's been there two years. It's no fruit. I'm gonna doesn't, I'm gonna cut it down. Why? We need to produce fruit. Um, john the baptist actually started said you need to produce fruit in keeping with repentance that's what he said to the religious people you got to produce fruit jesus at the end of the sermon on the mount said you'll know them how fruit. by their fruit john 15 when jesus is talking about him being the vine and how we abide in him it's so that we can produce fruit what is the fruit Fruit of the Spirit. Should we read them quickly? I won't read the whole text that we put up there. Uh, verse sixteen: Walk by the Spirit. That's a wonderful one. Then we'll jump to verse 23. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the life in the Spirit, the fruit that this Holy Spirit that's walking alongside to help us, that He produces in us when we do the work of participating with Him in our maturing process, is love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Isn't that good? Patience is the one. Forbearance, patience. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. How do you know you're becoming more loving? You become more patient and more kind. Don't start. With your partner on, love keeps no record of wrongs. Don't start there. Start with love is patient, love is kind. Start there. You'll get to, it keeps no record of wrongs. But that's not the first one in the list. Fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The spiritual life. We trust the Holy Spirit will lead us to the things that we need. And then finally, which we'll cover this one in a great more detail, is the word obedience, which we do not like. It's such a horrible word in our culture to obey. No one wants to obey anything anymore. We don't want to obey the laws, we want to travel through traffic lights, it doesn't really matter. But it's actually the way to embrace the process of becoming holy is obedience. Think of the Great Commission, which we will cover in detail. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, or go as you go into your world, make disciples of everyone you come into contact with, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then what's the next thing? Teach them to obey. Obey what? Everything I have commanded you, all the teachings I've given, teach people to obey that. Because when you do that, you will grow into maturity. And what's the essence of what we could call to obey? The great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's an essence. We teach that. We have to teach us how to do that. You know how you have to teach your kids how to be kind in the sandpit? And not bite the other kids? Well, we've got to teach ourselves and teach each other how to be kind and loving and to our world. And we'll cover this in a whole lot more detail. But obedience to Jesus and obedience to the Word of the Spirit in us as we keep in step with Him and we hear His Word and we respond is how we will grow. All right. Say this again, which we've been saying each week. If you win people to biblical principles and biblical values... But fail to win them to the biblical Christ, you will simply create religious people who lack the power to change. We will just have tidy unbelievers who go to church. But we want to introduce people to the biblical Christ. Yesterday, I had, the day before, I had a conversation with a young man in my house. And he asked me something about Jesus. He just Someone who was a believer, doesn't seem to be going to church, asked me some questions. And I, I, had to, I eventually just felt, no, you need to explore Jesus. Because I can tell you a lot of things. But you need to explore Jesus. And how do you want to find out about Jesus? Go read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. That's where you're going to find out primarily about Jesus. That's the biblical Jesus. If you want to be a Christian, that's the Jesus you want to become like. Not some figment of the imagination. The biblical Jesus. And if we introduce people to that Jesus, who then gives us his spirit, we will then receive the power to make the changes necessary to become mature, whole people of God. Is that alright? There's no trickery here. There's no secret knowledge. It's all here. You go read about Jesus. Like if you want to go read about Winston Churchill or find out, go read. You go read something about him you can't go talk to him but you know something when you find out about this jesus what will you discover that you can talk to him why because he's alive he's not dead we'll look at some of these uh is that all right is that a good introduction to a process and we're going to look at this in a lot more detail and Brian's gonna do a bunch of it. I want to pray a prayer over us. That's okay. It's from one Thessalonians chapter five. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Read that again. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you, make you holy. Through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And we all said, Amen.